I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on today, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Matthew is located in the Bible, here's what I want you to do. If you have a physical book, a, a Bible like this, what I want you to do is open to the table of contents. There you'll find that the Bible is broken up into two sections, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The book of Matthew that we're in today is the first book of the New Testament. So go to the table of contents, find the New Testament, find Matthew, first book, flip to that page, and then flip through until you get to chapter 13. Now, if you're in an app, what I want you to do is pull up the list of books of the Bible. You'll find that Matthew is about two-thirds of the way down that list. Click on Matthew, chapter 13, and you'll be right where you need to be. Now, if you were to go to my house right now, if you were to walk in the front door, uh, as you walk into the house, immediately to the right, you would notice uh, this shelf, the, this big wire metal shelf uh, that's over in the corner of one of our rooms. And on that shelf, you would see these small pots and these, these lights that are, that are glowing down on the pots and the things that are growing in those pots. You see, uh, a few weeks ago, my wife uh, began growing seedlings. Uh, she got all the pots and the potting soil. Uh, she, she got the seeds and, and she began potting and growing. And my son was involved. He helped her with the, the process. And, and if you were to walk over to that shelf and, and look at what's going on, you would see that there are all of these, these pots and growing uh, things that, that have plants actually growing up out of the soil. And some of them have actually, uh, you know, gotten several inches tall. But you would also notice that there's a set of pots that don't have a plant in them. That for one reason or another, they haven't grown. They, they haven't sprouted. And Jana and I have been racking our brains trying to figure out why they're not growing. Um, and trying to understand why one seed grew and one seed did not. It's really fascinating if you're into plants or growing things, how some plants thrive and some plants don't, how some seedlings sprout very quickly and some don't sprout ever. So got a question out of that. Have you ever thought about the fruit that your life produces? So, so take these plants that are growing in our house right now. Uh, Jana has a set of them that are going to grow and produce tomatoes. And she's got a set that's going to grow and produce beautiful flowers. And she's got a set that's going to grow and produce basil and, and, and many other things. They're going to produce good things for us, for our benefit. Have you ever thought about what your life produces, what fruit or what benefit to the world around you your life is producing? I think that's a question we should all ask ourselves on a regular basis. And luckily for us today, Jesus talks about that very thing. So I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, and I want you to turn to Matthew 13. We're going to begin in verse 1, very beginning. Matthew 13, verse 1. But, but stay with me. We're going to read this passage. Keep your Bible open because we're going to come back to some later verses uh, also in Matthew 13. So let's read Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. It says this, 
That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. A great crowd gathered around him so that he uh, got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables saying, a sower, a, a, a planter, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up. And since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Yet other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So, so Jesus comes along. He's, he's got this crowd that has surrounded him. And, and the crowd is so large and is pressed in on to him so much that he has stepped into a boat and kind of pushed off just a little bit so that he can have a little bit of distance from the crowd so that he can speak to them so that all of them hear what he has to say. And he speaks this parable. Now, a, a parable... It is a story or an illustration that says one thing, but is an illustration speaking a spiritual truth. And Jesus uses parables often. Actually, if you were to continue reading right after verse 9, if you were to continue into verse 10 and following, Jesus explains why he uses parables. We're not going to talk about that today. You can read that on your own. But today he speaks this parable of a, a sower, a farmer who goes out and sows, plants some seeds, and he spreads the seeds. So he's kind of scattering these seeds and the seeds fall on different uh, types of soil in different areas uh, along his his farm and so let's talk about first off this illustration this parable that Jesus is using and what each element of the illustration what each element means well first off the sower the farmer that person represents God uh, he's, he's spreading something. So the seeds that God is spreading, those seeds are his word, his gospel, the message of the hope, the life-changing hope of Jesus. That's what the gospel is. And so God is spreading the gospel and the soil that these seeds, the gospel falls on are people's hearts. Uh, it, it is the way that that gospel message, that gospel truth, the message of Jesus and what he's done for each and every one of us, it's how our hearts receive that message and what we do with that message. So the, the issue here is that we are paying attention to what God's doing with sending out his message and how we receive it within our hearts. And so here's what my big idea is for today. If you've ever watched or heard me preach, I usually give a big idea. And that, that big idea is a summary or culmination of the main point that I want you to get out of the passage that we're, we're talking about today. So today's big idea is this. The condition of the heart sprouts the harvest. So let me say that again, from the condition of the heart sprouts the harvest. So, so let's talk about that just a minute before we dive back into Matthew 13. 
What we're learning in this illustration is that God's message is being spread by him and how it falls on our hearts. The condition of our hearts determines the harvest that's going to come out of that. Now, I spoke to you about my wife growing these plants. If the, take the tomato plants. I think my wife planted six or eight of these tomato plants. These plants are going to continue to grow and grow and grow. But if at one, any point, one of those plants withers away and dies, it's not going to produce tomatoes. Uh, and even if some plants, uh, sometimes plants may grow and they get very big to what you would expect would produce fruit, and yet they never actually produce any fruit. Some of these plants may very well grow and become very, very full and large, yet not produce a single tomato. What's the use of having a tomato plant if it doesn't produce tomatoes? That's what we're talking about today. The harvest, the fruit that a heart produces from the condition of the heart sprouts the harvest. The idea here is that we today need to take a careful look at the condition of our hearts. And we need to figure out whether or not we're producing fruit, whether or not our life is going out and being used by God to spread that gospel message and in turn producing fruit. In other words, leading people to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to look at today. That's what this passage is all about. So the condition of the heart, from the condition of the heart sprouts the harvest. So let's go back to the passage. Jesus actually explains what he's saying later on in Matthew 13. So Matthew 13, I want you to scroll down to verse 18. So Matthew 18, verse 18, he's going to explain the different conditions that the gospel falls on. There are four different ones. And so we're going to go through each one, one by one. So pick up with me in Matthew 13, verse 18. It says this, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown along the path. Okay, so the first part of the parable, the illustration that Jesus gives, is this idea that he spreads some seed and on, some of those seeds fall on a path and they don't sprout at all. They, they don't produce anything. They don't even begin to produce anything because the parable says that birds come along and eat those seeds. So these are unbelievers. These are people who have never come to know the life-changing hope of Jesus. They don't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. You see, their heart is either not ready or previously has not been ready to accept the truth of what Jesus did for them on a cross. Uh, they're not ones who believe in Jesus. They're the ones that the Bible describes as Satan has come along and blinded them to the truth. They're blind. They don't see the truth of Jesus. And so for just a moment, I want to speak to this. Maybe you're watching or listening right now, and maybe 
you don't know Jesus as your savior. Maybe you've never stepped into that life-changing hope that can only be found in him. And I wanna speak to you for just a moment. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you've got questions, you're wondering what's going on, let me just briefly explain. Jesus was and is the Son of God. You see, God exists in a trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you've got questions about that, I can explain that more. I'm not gonna do so right now. But Jesus is God the Son, And God the Son came willingly to this earth. He lived on this earth. He taught about God and the truth of the kingdom of heaven. He lived his entire life and did not commit a single sin. Now, sin are the things that we do uh, that break God's law. It's the wrongs that we do. That's sin. Uh, James chapter 4 says it's the right things that we know we should do, yet we don't do them. Um, And so, He came along and didn't commit a single sin. He was completely perfect. And yet even despite that, the rulers of his day cast him, they judged him, and they uh, judged that he should be killed. And he died on a cross. And when he died on that cross, the shedding of his blood provided a perfect sacrifice so that you and I could be rescued from our sins. You see, when we do wrong, we become criminals against God's law. And criminals deserve punishment. All criminals do. But God in his mercy decided that he would send a perfect sacrifice so that we, through that sacrifice, could be rescued from those sins, from the consequences of our wrongdoing, of our crimes. And after Jesus died, three days later, he rose from the dead in victory over sin and death. And later he ascended into heaven. Right now, Jesus sits on a throne in heaven and he rules. And the Bible says that one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But here's the thing. Jesus offers everyone the gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, the mercy of and the grace that we don't deserve, even because we are criminals against God's law. And here's the thing, if you, the Bible also tells us that if you will believe with your heart and you will confess with your mouth, meaning you will believe and live your life for Jesus and you will confess him, you will, you will proclaim him as your Lord and master and your savior, then you will be saved. You'll be rescued from your sins. And, and so if that's you, If you've got questions, if you're confused, or if you wanna make a decision, I want you right now, stop what you're doing. I want you to send me a direct message or an email. The email address is, is down on the bottom of your screen. Send me an email and I will reach out to you right now. I wanna have this discussion with you today, right at this moment. So stop what you're doing, send me a message, and I will reach out to you and answer any of the questions that you may have regarding this. Now, the next three soils that the seeds fall on apply to those who who are or believe they are Christians. And so let's continue going. So we read, uh, we left off on verse 19. So go with me again, Matthew 13. We're gonna pick up in verse 19 or, or 20, excuse me. Verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet 
he has no root in himself. So he endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, he immediately falls away. So this is the person who deep down inside, they believe they're a Christian. This is the gospel, the seed that has fallen on rocky ground so that on that rocky ground, that seed sprouts and it's got these shallow, not healthy roots and it springs up. But as soon as things get tough, they fall away, they wither, they, they stop growing and they never end up producing fruit. Uh, so who is that with us? Well, this is the heart that does not allow the gospel to fully penetrate all of the aspects of that person's life. In other words, this is the person that will go around and say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but their life, their actions, their words don't reflect their claim. Uh, they're the ones that attend church, but Monday through Saturday, they're terrible people and they do nothing to try and become better followers of Jesus. And at the first moment of difficulty, they abandon their faith. They abandon the gospel, the, the life-changing hope of Jesus. They walk away from it. That is what the rocky ground is referring to in this, this parable, this illustration. And so these are people, I, I've seen it many times, where somebody uh, claims to be a Christian. They may have a great life and they, they go to church for years and years and years and then something happens and they suddenly walk away from their faith. They weren't Christians to begin with. They, their faith was never truly founded in Jesus. It was just something they said and, and it's a place they attended on Sundays. Their life was not actually changed by the gospel, by the knowledge of Jesus, by the relationship with Jesus. And let me be honest, there's some of you right now who are watching or listening that this is you. Your heart is the rocky soil. You, you, you claim to be a Christian, but if you were truly honest with yourself, you'd probably be able to say that your life has not been changed by Jesus, church and your faith and following God and, and telling others about Jesus is a thing that it's not important. It's, it's secondary or tertiary. It's, it's not important in your life. Accept Jesus as your savior. Be, let him change you. Let him penetrate all aspects of your life. He wants to do that for you. So let's move on. Verse 22. Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out that word and it proves unfruitful. So this is a person also who would claim to be a follower of Jesus. This would be a person uh, that would... Um, come to church. They would tell people they're a follower of Jesus. They may act a little bit like a Christian uh, in the way they live their lives, but their heart is distracted by the sin and the temptations in the world around them. They're distracted and pulled away from Jesus by things like money, things like comfort, 
things like uh, what they want to do rather than what God wants them to do. They're distracted by uh, feeling like they have right to live one way when the Bible says they don't have the right to live that way. They, they may be distracted by opinions that don't exactly line up with God's word, but they won't allow those opinions to be influenced by God's word. And lastly, most importantly, they're distracted by their own temptations and sins. They don't wanna let go of the ways that they're not living for Jesus. Uh, and these are the ones that from the outside looking in, you may be really convinced that they're Christians. Uh, Billy Graham is very famous uh, for saying that if you go into the typical church, half the people there don't know Jesus as their savior. Uh, you know, in Billy Graham's estimation is, is that people may attend, but attending a church or claiming to be a Christian does not make you a follower of Jesus. Allowing Jesus to be your Lord, and I mean Lord of everything, to be your master, to let him come in and change every aspect of you and your being and your life. Allowing him to change everything is what makes us a Christian. Allowing him to make you an instrument for the work of the kingdom of heaven. That's what makes you a Christian. It's that belief that infiltrates every aspect of who we are. That if you were to come to know Jesus and have, be rescued, be saved from your sins, and then go out into the world, the world would notice that there's something totally different about you. That is being a follower of Jesus. Not what we're talking about here where the thorns, the, the, the worries of the world and, and our temptations and our sins, those things choke out God's word and we're not actually changed by Jesus. But hear me again, these are people that in their, in their mind, they think and believe that they're followers of Jesus. They think they're Christians. From the outside looking in, they may look a lot like Christians, but in truthfulness, they have not allowed the gospel to truly change them. Uh, let's be honest, that can probably describe a lot of us. As a matter of fact, it's my personal opinion that most of the people who sit down in church on a Sunday morning are probably actually the seed that fell among the thorns. And that's hard. It's hard to admit that. It's hard to confess that, especially if you've been claiming to be a Christian for a long time and suddenly you think that maybe you're the seed among thorns. That's a hard confession to face. But believe me, we're talking about eternity here. Confess that to the Lord and let Jesus come in and change you from the inside out. And if you've got questions, I would love to talk to you about that. Make an appointment with me. We can privately have a discussion about what that looks like. But don't, don't take for granted that you're a Christian because you come to church and you talk about Jesus and your parents were Christians. Don't take for granted that you're a follower of Jesus just because of the things you do. Jesus is making it clear that the things we do don't make us a follower of Jesus. It's the condition of our heart and our relationship to Jesus through the gospel. So I think we need to take a good hard look at our lives. And we need to ask ourselves, are we producing fruit? 
I'll come back to that in a moment. Let's look at the last verse of this section. It's uh, verse 23. So Matthew 13, verse 23. And Jesus says this, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. So this, according to Jesus, this is what a true follower of Jesus looks like. This is the person that hears God's word and their heart is willing to let the gospel take full root in every aspect of who they are, that they are completely changed for Jesus by Jesus through his Holy Spirit. These are the people who follow Jesus and who are constantly leading others to the life-changing hope of Jesus. They're inviting people to come experience Jesus through church or small group. They're telling people about how Jesus has changed their life, how Jesus has provided and healed and done miracles. Uh, These are the people who are supporting ministry across the board so that others can lead everyone to the life-changing hope of Jesus. These, These are the people that are producing fruit. And that's the whole point of this. Remember, the big idea was this. From the condition of the heart sprouts the harvest. The harvest is the key to this whole thing. We've been talking about producing fruit through serving and leading others to Jesus. When was the last time that you served someone else in the name of Jesus? When was the last time you invited someone to church or small group? When was the last time that you told somebody about how Jesus has changed your life? That is producing fruit. That is what we exist to do. You know, we've been on a campaign and it kind of got put on hold because of COVID. But at the beginning of this year, we started a Hoosier One campaign. And we asked every single one of you to think of just one person, one starting point, one person that they were gonna begin to pray for and look for intentional opportunities to have conversations and to bless this person and look for opportunities to invite them to church or small group and or to tell them about how Jesus has changed their lives. That's how we started 2020. And we're continuing in that. We're gonna continue in asking you about who's your one. And we're gonna talk about that starting next week. We're gonna be driving this again because we wanna be intentional about producing fruit. Think back to the plants that my wife uh, is growing right now at our house. I'll be totally honest with you. And Jesus says this as well. If one of those plants sprouts and it dies off almost immediately for one reason or the other, I'm pulling that plant and I'm throwing it in the trash. If one of those tomato plants sprouts and it starts to grow and it does really good and all the tomato plants around it start producing tomatoes, yet that plant produces nothing, I'm gonna pull that plant out of the soil and I'm gonna throw it away. Because the point of growing these plants is to produce fruit. The point of being a follower of Jesus is to produce fruit. If all you're doing in your relationship with Jesus is studying, you're missing the point. 
Because James tells us that we're not supposed to be just hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. If all you do as a follower of Jesus is be a moral person, you're missing the point. Being a moral person is part of what following Jesus is about. But if that morality never leads to producing fruit, to leading others to the life-changing hope of Jesus, you're useless. The point of following Jesus is producing other followers of Jesus. It's leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. At a certain level, we all get distracted and we all get lazy in producing fruit. It happens. But now's the time that we stop making excuses. Now's the time that we stop being distracted. Now's the time to get off of our rear ends and start producing fruit for Jesus. It's time to start telling the world that Jesus saves. Jesus rescues all who will come to him from their sins. It's time to do what Jesus calls us to do. And so here's my question. Is your life, are the actions that you do and the words that you say, are those things producing fruit. When was the last time that you invited someone to experience Jesus? When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When was the last time that you served someone, loved on someone, met someone's need, and then invited them to church? It's time to do what Jesus calls us to do. We're all guilty of not doing it. We're all guilty of of, uh, of being distracted and being lazy at times, but now's the time that we stop doing that and we step up and we become the men and women of God that Jesus has called us each to be. So how will you produce fruit in your life? Who needs to hear an invite or needs to hear about how Jesus has changed your life? Who do you need to talk to today or tomorrow or sometime this week? Who do you need to invite to online or in-person services here at First Southern? I don't know who it is and I don't know what Jesus specifically is calling you to, but it's time. Let's do the work of Jesus. Let's be the seed, uh, let's be the soil that the seed falls on and produces 30, 60, or 100 fold the product, the fruit that the gospel planted in our own hearts. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you. We thank you so much, Jesus, for saving us, for rescuing us from our sins. But Lord, we pray right now that you would not let us let it stop there. Let us not hold on to the gospel and not spread it. Let us instead take that gospel and the life-changing hope that it brings and let us spread it to the world around us. Let us choose one, maybe. Let us take advantage of who's your one and to intentionally seek to produce fruit through that one person. Lord, help us to be the men and women of God that you've called us to be. Lord, we thank you. And we pray that you would give us courage and strength to do what you want us to do. And we pray and ask that in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our loving, amazing, compassionate Savior. 
Amen.